called About Jesus. So we're going to take the next eight weeks to walk through the book of Mark. The the book of Mark is a short, fast-paced, action-packed account of Jesus' life and ministry. Jesus is such a monumental figure in history and culture, and while opinion about him uh, p- opinions about him vary. It's important for everyone to see Jesus for themselves. And so we want to take you to the source. We want to go straight to the scriptures to see Jesus. Now, local church St. Pete's mission statement is, and you'll see it on, on these banners, disciples who make disciples to impact the city of St. Pete for Jesus. This is our passion. It's why we're here. Now, at some level, disciple making requires explaining what the Bible teaches. It might involve, and will definitely at times involve, walking others through books of the Bible or sections or, uh, of a book of the Bible. And now, after 20 years of pastoral ministry, I've heard again and again how people are intimidated by the thought of leading others through a book of the Bible. And so my goal is to equip you, to give you what you need to walk others through the Gospel of Mark. Many people haven't read a book of the Bible on their own. Many. So I have conversations around the city and with neighbors. You know, you, you talk to people and, and many people haven't for themselves read a whole book of the Bible. And so they're, they're getting information about Jesus from other places, maybe from, from I don't know what, from, from movies or from maybe their childhood of what they remember about Jesus The Bible can feel like a foreign land to many people. And so as we dive into this book, I pray that what has potentially felt like a foreign land to you begins to feel familiar. That's what I want. I pray that the beauty of this book and most of all its message is something that captivates your heart and fills you with confidence to lead others by the hand through this book or through another gospel or through another book of the Bible, but that you would have confidence to lead other people by the hand to see Jesus for who he is. So let's read Mark chapter one. We'll read verses one through 15. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the desert. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once, the Spirit sent him out into the desert, and he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. 
After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would give us understanding. That you'd open our eyes that we might behold wonderful things in your word. That you would go before us and make clear what has been fuzzy and confusing and blurry for way too long. Lord, help us, we pray today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, three questions I want to look at today. First, who is Jesus? Second, what is Jesus' message? And third, what is your reaction to Jesus? So the first question, who is Jesus? And how does Mark show us that he is worthy of attention? And this is our longest point that we'll be looking at this morning. But who is Jesus and how does Mark, because he's the author of this book, how does Mark show us that he's worthy of attention? Well, Mark begins by telling us who Jesus is. Some think verse 1 is the title of Mark's gospel account, while others believe it's part of the introduction. Regardless, it's here and it's plain what Mark thinks about Jesus's identity. Look what he, what he writes, the beginning. Let's pause here. This is the start of something new. It's reminiscent of another beginning. Do you remember in Genesis? In the beginning, God created. So here's the beginning of a new story, a new creation rooted in something old. This story is rooted in the old story of redemption. It has history. It has roots. But he's saying the beginning. This is the beginning of something new. It's the beginning of of what? The gospel. And gospel means good news. It's something proclaimed or announced. Back in the day, it was common for a herald to go from town to town and announce the gospel of victory. The good news, in other words, that the enemy has been defeated on the battlefield or that the the town or city is now safe. Or they would go around with an announcement of an emperor's birthday or an emperor's reign. This, Mark is telling us this, however, is the good news. This is the gospel about something else. Not victory on the battlefield. Not an emperor's reign or birthday. It's something else. It's gospel about Jesus Christ. Jesus the Christ. You see, Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua. Means Yahweh is salvation. The Lord is is salvation. And Christ is, is a title. It's not his last name. He's not Mr. Christ. It's a title. It tells us something about who he is and what he's done. Christ means anointed by God, chosen by God. So he is Jesus the Christ. He is Jesus the anointed by God, the chosen by God. He's the anointed one. He's the Messiah, which is what that means anointed one, the long-awaited-for king that Israel had been waiting for, the one everyone was hoping would come, but they didn't know when he would. And he's on the scene. He's right here. And Mark isn't being shy about it. This is the gospel, the good news about Jesus, the king, the one you've been waiting for. And he's the son of God. Mark is making sure that his readers understand that Jesus is divine. He's the son of God. 
Author N.T. Wright, he says, in Jesus, Israel's God had become present, had become human, had come to live in the midst of his people, to set up a kingdom, to take upon himself the horrors of their plight, and to bring about his long-awaited new world. It's true. Now, Mark calls upon a few witnesses to testify, to introduce us to Jesus. Immediately, he leans on the prophet Isaiah. Now, if you don't know who Isaiah is, he's a prophet who lived 700 years before Christ. And he made some incredible claims about God's provision of a savior, of a deliverer. And actually, what we're reading here is is a combination of uh, the prophet Malachi and Isaiah. But because Isaiah is the major prophet, then he's being emphasized. And it says this, It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, for Yahweh. Make straight paths for him. The good news of Jesus, it continues a longer story stretching back to Isaiah. The hope and the longing of Isaiah the prophet 700 years before. But even, even further back than that, you could look at the first pages of the Bible in Genesis and where, where you see this, this hope, this longing of one who would crush the serpent's head, the seed of the woman who would come and crush the serpent's head. There was a longing from the beginning of time. In verses 2 through 8, we're introduced to the one Isaiah speaking of, the one who would prepare the way for Yahweh, John the Baptist. Now, Mark draws a line from Isaiah's prophecy of a forerunner, of a messenger, of one who will prepare the way for Yahweh directly to John. It's important for us to see that. So he begins by saying who Jesus is, and then he quotes Isaiah and Malachi together, and he's explaining to us that this is the one they were speaking of. John is on the scene. He's the one preparing the way for Yahweh. He's a baptizer. He's in the desert. He's preaching a a baptism of repentance, which basically means to repent in this baptism of repentance was owning up to your sin and turning away from a life uh, that is, is living for yourself and looking to God to be at the center. He was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He was preparing the way for the one who would come. And everyone in that region knew about John. There was revival happening. I mean, just crowds and crowds were gathering to be baptized, to be cleansed, to be prepared and readied for the one who would come, however he would come. Now, John dressed strange, okay? Let's admit that. <laughs> strange diet. It makes sense, though, when you realize later that Elijah the prophet dressed this way and John's ministry and purpose was actually connected to Elijah the prophet. But don't let his outfit and don't let his diet distract you from what he says because what he says is important. His message was this, after me will come one more powerful than I, verse seven, the thongs of whose sandals I'm not even worthy to stoop down and untie. I'm baptizing with water, oh, but he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. He knew what he was doing. He was preparing the way. So what does it mean to be baptized by the Holy Spirit or with the Holy Spirit? He's saying the one who will come will do this. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Water baptism is symbolic of true cleansing that will take place, a spiritual cleansing, a renewal of the heart. 
a renewal of the spirit. And that's what Jesus will produce. He's going to change hearts. See, those who were coming to John were being baptized and this, this cleansing, this, this water baptism was symbolic of the greater cleansing that would come through the one he was preparing the way for. Now, who's he preparing the way for? Isaiah says he's preparing the way for Yahweh. And then all of a sudden, in verse 9, we see that Jesus is on the scene. Is, is, is John preparing the way for Yahweh? Or is he preparing the way for Jesus? The answer is yes. And this, this is a, I love to bring this passage up with, with uh, Jehovah Witnesses who come to our door or who that we see now in downtown St. Pete at every corner. Uh, so I love to have this conversation. We see the distinction that we have God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit, this, this beautiful distinction, but we have one God. And as John was preparing the way for Yahweh, then we see Jesus on the scene He's preparing the way for this divine king to do what God said he would do, which we'll get to in a second. Jesus is on the scene. The first thing we see him doing is being baptized. And we're like, what? Why? We can read these these passages and we just get used to what they're saying. It's important for us to slow down, ask questions of what we're reading. Why is Jesus being baptized? You know, if you were reading this with someone who has never read the gospel of Mark before, let me just tell you, they wouldn't know anything about Isaiah probably. They wouldn't know anything about John the Baptist. And that's okay. You don't have to get into crazy detail like I'm doing, but it's good for us to have an understanding of who these people are so that when we're explaining and we're walking people through it, we can say, hey, listen, I know John is dressed kind of crazy here, but again, don't miss his message. And we we can get to why he's dressed this way later. And that's a good question. But again, why is Jesus being baptized? Well, let's keep going and see what happens and if it helps us answer the why. Because Jesus saw heaven being torn open. Some kind of vision's happening here. Jesus saw it. The spirit then descended on him like a dove, the passage says. The spirit is yet another witness to the identity of Jesus. So far, Who do we have as a a witness or as someone who is testifying to who Jesus is? So far, we have Mark. He's told us who Jesus is right out the gate, right? He is the Christ. He is the Son of God. Now, who else has come? Who has he introduced us to? Isaiah and Malachi, actually. But Isaiah the prophet, the prophets, they said one would come, that Yahweh himself would come. And now Jesus is on the scene. And now we have the Spirit testifying to who Jesus is. The Spirit is yet another witness to identify, to, that identifies who Jesus is. In Genesis 1, before God spoke things into being, the Spirit, do you remember, hovered over the waters. Before creation, the Spirit was present. Before this new creation through Jesus, the Spirit of God is present. Jesus has come to make us new. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. The Spirit is present like a dove. There's this visual seal of approval happening. This is the one through whom I will begin again, is what God is saying. Later in Genesis, God's judgment came to an end. Do you remember when the dove Noah sent out from the ark found a place of rest? A symbol of judgment is over. My wrath has been spent and you've been shown mercy. You found, uh, you, you've been hidden in the ark the family of Noah. But that dove was symbolic. 
visual presence and approval. Verse 11, what do we see happening? Look with me again. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So then Jesus hears this voice. We have this visual, visual uh, seal of approval through this, the, 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 the Spirit's presence like a dove. And then we hear a voice, the voice of the Father. And what he says is profound on a number of levels. The Father outright says who Jesus is. Did you catch it? You are my son. You are my son whom I love. We're seeing something beautiful and intimate in that, that relationship between father and son within the, 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 the Trinity itself. This community that is God. So there it is. Jesus is the divine son. Mark said it. The father says it. Now the father continues and he says, with you I am well pleased. Again, this, now we have this verbal seal of approval. We have this visual seal of approval with the dove, and now we have this verbal seal of approval. The Father's words are just loaded with prophetic fulfillment. We don't have time to get into it, but it's awesome. So we have Isaiah, John, the Spirit, the Father, all bearing witness and testifying to who Jesus really is. And then in verse 12, it says, at once or immediately. And, and Mark the author loves using this word as he moves quickly from one thought or one scene to the next. It, you'll find as you read this book, as we read this book together, we're going to hear that word a lot. It's, it's fast-paced. I like to think of Mark as the action movie of the Gospels. Maybe that's why I like it so much. But it moves quickly, and it doesn't use a lot of words, but will occasionally give extreme detail about something because it's confirming its historical authenticity and accuracy it's bearing witness to eyewitness testimony when you, when you see the great detail that he gets into uh, from time to time. But the Spirit sent Jesus immediately into the desert alone for 40 days. Got to pause there for a second and think about the story of Israel. Because again, this story of Jesus coming on the scene has its roots in a bigger story, doesn't it? Do you remember what happened? The story of Israel delivered out of Egyptian slavery they went through the waters, God parted the sea, and then they were in the desert for how many years? 40. Wait a minute. Jesus comes on the scene, he goes through the waters, and now he's in the desert for 40 days. What's happening here? Well, what's happening, he goes into the desert, he's tempted by the tempter, or Satan, the deceiver, he's with the wild animals. Why was Jesus, why was God's son baptized? We asked that question earlier. Why was he sent into the desert? He's identifying fully with Israel. You see, Israel failed to obey. But Jesus, the true Israel of God, the true child, the true son of God will not fail. Jesus came to do what you and I cannot do, obey the father fully. His perfect life of obedience was just as uh, important for you and I as his substitutionary death on the cross. And so what we find is his identification with Israel, he, he comes on the scene, he, he, he uh, is baptized for you and me, he goes through the waters of baptism, not because he needed to be cleansed of sin, but because he's identifying with you and me. He stood in the place where sinners would, st would stand. 
And eventually he would, what? He would take on what sinners deserve, the punishment and wrath of the Father for our sin, fully identifying with us, obeying the Father in our place. Beautiful, profound. God's Son came to do what Israel could not do, to go through the waters, to wrestle with temptation, to face the desert, to face the tempter, and come out the victor. So he fully identifies with us. Don't be fooled by the brevity of Mark's account. There is such depth and beauty here. And there should be. There's, there's artistry here. It's beautiful. And we shouldn't be surprised. It's divine. Mark is telling us who Jesus is. He doesn't need a lot of words to do it either. And yet he called on all these witnesses to bear testimony. He's the son of God. He's the king. He's the long-awaited for anointed one who will bring victory, renewal, redemption, restoration. He's the one you've been waiting for. Second question, what is Jesus's message? Remember I said first question is the longest? Second question, what is Jesus's message and what does he come to do? Well, we see his message in verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Oh, what is the gospel of God? What is the good news of God? The, the time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Have you ever paused and, 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 and asked Jeff, what, what was Jesus preaching all those years, those three years of ministry? This is what he was preaching. He was preaching about the kingdom. And I was uh, just wrapping up in my own time in the word, the book of Acts. And I was reading to Silas, who is uh, not even three months old, but was paying attention. Uh, <laughs> And, and, and I read just yet, like day before yesterday in Acts 28, where Paul, towards the end of his ministry, it describes what he's doing. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus. Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God. Paul proclaimed the kingdom of God. That was the message they were preaching. And so it's important for us as, as followers of Jesus to understand, if you're a follower of Jesus, to understand what is the kingdom of God all about? When you hear the word kingdom, think king. Because where there's a kingdom, there is a king. And remember who Jesus is, the Christ. He's the king. Mark's already told us that. And now Jesus is proclaiming a kingdom. The kingdom of God describes an activity. It's God's rule over his people, over his world. The Old Testament prophets left, they, they left people believing that one day God would establish that reign personally. So when Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God is at hand, he's proclaiming God's promises were being met. God's power in his rule to bring forgiveness and to establish righteousness and to set things right for his people, it's finally coming true. That's good news. You know, when you read this with someone who's never read it before, the fact that Jesus is king, it's, I mean, what's the big deal? Why is that good news? It's important for us to explain why that's good news. It's important for us to understand why that's good news. If you're living for God's kingdom, then Jesus has to be at your center because he's king. And he's called us to repent or to own up to our sin and turn away from it and set out on a new course of life. And he's called us to believe, to embrace him, to put our full faith and trust in him. 
And that is where our passage today leaves us. We're staring at Jesus and having to come to grips with who he is and what he proclaimed. A kingdom. The kingdom. And he's calling people to repent and believe this good news. Good news? This gospel? Yes, the good news of God's reign through his son. His good rule, his loving rule, a rule that brings freedom and victory and joy and hope and healing and restoration and salvation and renewal. It's a good reign. It's what we're, it's what we're created for. Well, the last question of our morning is, what is your reaction to Jesus? You know, after reading this passage, we come to a crossroads, every one of us. All of us come to a crossroads when we read about Jesus. And I imagine for some of us today, it's brand new to you. You might have more questions today in light of what I've just uh, preached um, than what you even came in with. And that's okay. This is a safe place for you to ask your questions. It's important for you to hear that. We want you to wrestle with your questions here in community. Let us know what you're thinking. It's a safe place. Here is a safe place for you to explore faith, for you to investigate the claims of Jesus and what it means for your life. For others, maybe you've embraced Jesus as king for years, but you actually haven't really understood the implications of that. Maybe you treated it more as a uh, kind of, it's more of a sidelines thing. It's, it's just, it's not central. It's on the sidelines. It's in the back pocket. It's not in the front. <laughs> it's got to be central to who we are. It affects everything about us. Mark chapter one, verses one through 15 is loaded. Well, we, just, we just spent 30 minutes talking about 15 verses. Now, when you sit down with someone, I, I don't expect you to unload like I just did for 30 minutes. That's, that's not how you do it. You read it, you make observations, you have conversation, you ask questions, you discover together. And you know, every time I read with somebody, I'm, I'm just delighting and discovering with them. And I'm seeing it through their eyes. And it's beautiful. You know, I, I pray that you keep reading with us in this series. Next Sunday, we're going to jump into Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. So between now and then, let me encourage all of us to read uh, st- straight through verse 12 of chapter 2. So catch what Jesus is doing from verse 16 in chapter 1 all the way through to verse 12. Read it a few times. Get it in you so that when you come back next week, uh, it'll just, it'll make, it'll, it'll come together and you'll be able to draw lines maybe uh, to, to what you've read earlier. But, but next week, we're gonna, we're gonna read about some desperate guys who bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus and they thought his paralysis was his greatest need, but it wasn't. So read along with us. Maybe you've never read a whole book of the Bible. Now's the time to do it. Come along with us and read and explore the gospel of Mark. And let's, let's let it have its intended effect in our lives. A divine gift from God's hand. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our time together this morning. Thank you that we could explore the gospel of Mark, chapter one. Thank you that, Lord, there's no question about what Mark believed about your son, Jesus. 
There's no question about what Isaiah was proclaiming. There's no question about what John was saying. There's no question about what the Spirit and what you, Father, were saying about Jesus. Father, thank you for showing us who Jesus is. And thank you for, for, for helping us see what his message was. Now, now, Lord, help us. Help us, Lord, to bow our lives, to be wholly devoted to you, to be submitted to you through Christ, to see the news about Jesus as good news and the news about your kingdom as good news too. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.